Looking back over my life Spent the most of it tongue-tied No wish I'd had more time Listening to you speak your mind Now I'm thinking about it every day On my mind a typical way Are you a life force? Thinking about it every day On my mind a typical way Are you a life force? Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick, And we got a fun post-Super Bowl show for you. Chris Snee, two-time Super Bowl champion, all-pro interview. Uh, my goal eventually is to interview all of these guys separately and then have them on for one, you know, you know, to, you know, one big interview uh, together, that five offensive linemen. But I was really excited, uh, a little over 20 minutes, and he was a good interview, right? I was a little worried going in that he might be a little dry, not want to give too much, but he was actually a pretty, like, he was open and honest about some things, um, and it was it was fun to, fun to listen to him. 2027. The 20th anniversary. They're all going to come back to Jersey, you know, because at the stadium, right? They're all going to be invited back. We invite all of them to the Candlewick Diner, and we have a live event with all of them. That's my vision. Okay. That's actually, we need, that's a good thing to speak into existence. Remember when people were like, the Giants are throwing these ceremonies to distract us from the team being so bad. It's like, no, they didn't get the pick. When the 10-year anniversary of Super Bowl 46. <laughs> okay. And, yes, they retired Eli Manning's jersey, and they realized they couldn't re- they couldn't retire Eli's and not straight hands, so they did both in the same yeah. year. And also, Eli Manning retired right before COVID, and they... You they, could, you could, they weren't going to retire him in front of nobody. In front of an empty stadium, yeah. yeah. Um, hi, Bobby Skinner. Yeah, I, I actually I couldn't be part of the, the Chris Snee interview because it was on Friday. I was filming the... The combine on Friday, and uh, I'm really excited to hear it. Uh, I heard the first 15 seconds of it, and I'm like, "Oh, your your first question, it could go off the rails pretty quick." But hey, he was he was a good sport about it, and uh, wasn't he, he wasn't even a good sport. It was a, it was a fair question, but uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to actually listen to the rest of it. Nice little 22 minute interview for you uh, post Super Bowl. Yeah, and we'll do a little Super Bowl recap at the end before we get into it. Um... By the way, we're becoming just an offensive line podcast, right? It's like whether it's current, former, become future yeah, future players. We are simply just an offensive line. Yeah, we are podcast like the O line report. We are just embracing the culture of that. Um, Justin, this episode was brought to you by some special people. We got Andrew Gabowski, mm. the big, lo- the big, the big Gabowski. That is my ultimate on a plane. I think I've watched that movie 10 times on the plane, The Big Lebowski. And then Revolving Doors, that's his name. And honestly, I know what he's trying to do. I know what trying joke he's going to set up. But you know what? How about, you know, you you knock at a revolving door? How about you fix your own door, you doorman? Justin, who are these people? These doormen went to patreon.com slash target giants over $2 a month. Plus, some of the dudes can hang out with us live while we record the shows, even on a day like today, where it's nice and a little casual. Uh, Bobby Skinner will send you some stickers in the mail. Plus, there's some shirt Ralphs. Get a cool shirt like this, like I'm wearing right now for you audio people. It's a helmet 
that has Talk of Giants on it. And I like this shirt because it looks like the old school Giants helmet. And I like the rustic look of it. Patreon.com slash Talk of Giants. Thanks for our patron. We actually just get a helmet that has that, by the way. That's kind of been one of my goals is just to have a helmet like that. I mean, we can definitely order a helmet off of like Shut or Rydell and it's just the Giants color blue. And then we just put a Talk of Giants sticker on it. Yeah, and then it, it, I thought it'd be cool if we get every Giants player we interview to sign it. That's that's my yes. That is also my eventual goal. One hundred percent. All right, uh, let, let's get this. Let's uh, speaking of guys we've interviewed. Here is Chris Sneak. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. I. Tuesday after the Super Bowl, so it was only right to finally get on the show. Two-time Super Bowl champ, three-time All-Pro, Chris Snee. First question, you were five minutes late. Does ta- does Coughlin time not mean anything to you anymore? He's in a different state, so I think I'm safe. Um, you know, and he, and he doesn't have Twitter or anything, so I don't think he'll I don't think he'll see this interview. So we're we're good. I think I'm safe. Okay, good. Well, first, thanks thanks for jumping on. I know you're you're a busy man at Boston College. How, how's that gig going? What what does all that entail? Because, you know, analysts can mean a million different things w- with a college program. It does. Uh, and it's still kind of reshaping all the time with the, with the rule changes in college football. But it was something where I wanted to be around the game. And, um, you know, when I left Jacksonville after being there for four years, um, you know, kind of had a hard time getting back in the league. So, uh, you know, BC reached out and um, it's close enough where I kind of go back and forth. And, you know, my emphasis is still on personnel. So I help with the recruiting side of it. Um, but then also what I, the, the assist in the development of the younger players is, is critical because you're, um, you know, obviously within the rules, um, but um, there to watch film and, and, and uh, just kind of, like I said, help the young guys develop. And, um, but it's, it's more, you know, 75% of a personnel um, job. So, I mean, a, a question I would have is like a guy like Christian Mahogany, who's going to be in the draft this year, um, who's yep. been on our radar we've talked about a little bit what is like what is your relationship with him since he's specifically on the offensive line well i've gotten a chance to be with him for two years so it's a it's a good sample size to kind of get to know a person uh you know uh, kind of let him into my into my circle and him and me into his so it was um it's a good relationship uh christian's a great player so you know, kind of when you get there and it's the unfortunate situation where you know he's hurt and um, yes, that first year kind of just watching him rehab and then him being around the guys and trying to help as much as he can, but I know he was frustrated. So getting to watch him up close and personal this year, uh, through training camp and every practice. And he's a tough, tough dude that loves football. He's a better athlete than people think. Um, and I think everyone saw what he was capable of doing down at the East West, uh, uh, practices um i think he's a, he's, a, he's explosive he's gonna be a good good nfl player yeah he's fun i mean he has some you know bully moments on film that are that are fun to watch and like you said i think it showed up in the in that shrine bowl but getting into your your giants career i know you've been asked about this a bunch but you know you end up being an all pro so the you know the conversation is a fun one but you know you got drafted by your father-in-law tom coughlin and his first year with you know a, a second regime was was that uncomfortable at all? And if it was, like, when when did that become like a comfortable workplace, like you know, workplace relationship with him? I mean, listen, I, 
hard for me to put in perspective any other situation, but I think coming in as a rookie, I would have been uncomfortable anywhere just because of the, who I am. I'm a quiet guy, um, kind of keep my head down, do my job, try to be in and out of there. Um, you know, respect the elders that have been in the building, which I think is important. And like I said, I'm a, I'm a rookie, so I was going to go in there and keep my mouth shut regardless. So I think, you know, it only got uncomfortable when guys like Richie Soybird or Sean O'Hara or Luke Pettigrew, you know, felt it necessary to bust my chops and, you know, um, you know, kind of take it to the next level, so to speak. So uh, those are the only times, um, like I said, I was, I was so focused on coming in and proving myself worthy of being a second round pick and, you know, being put as a starter two weeks in a training camp, you know, I, my, I was swimming. So I was just trying to do everything I could, you know, to get my game up to where it should be, where I can help the team. What do you have any examples of those guys taking it to, to the next level? Because I, I'm fascinated by that dynamic you had with, you know, that not, not, not the first five into 2004, but what turned into, I think the longest running amount of starts by the same five unit. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, I think it was, I forget the total number we ended up, but, um let's see i mean richie was the worst soybert you know i think if you've gotten to talk to him he, he's he's a ball buster and um you know still one of my closest friends but uh i mean it's just the prank like the, you know the, the 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 powder blue dye they would always put in my gloves and shoes and training camp you know the invisible dye that when you sweat it, it makes your hands purple and you know, I won't tell you where else they put it. Um, so th- that was one of them. You, you know, he used to have to clear up my locker. One day I came in, and he was throwing all this stuff on the ground. And it came to the point where it was like, I was like late in the year and it was enough's enough. And then you, you, know, you, you confront him and it was over. Uh, it was almost like he was waiting for me to do that, you know, kind of stand up for myself and say, all right, enough's enough. Uh, you know, Tom used to call everyone's son, but obviously if he yelled it, son to me it, it took it to the next level as, as far as those chops go so it was more so the, the pranks and i was the, on the con- consistent end of those uh rookie year yeah, we we actually did talk with richard sober and i think we just spent 10 minutes talking about the different pranks and i feel like we didn't even you know we just got the tip of the iceberg uh, yeah there's a lot we can't say yeah it's, I, I can't remember there was one he said he didn't do i think it was like releasing some type of animal within in the build, I think no, it was a turkey. I think it was like uh, releasing a turkey. They ended up, you know, uh, scrapping Ray, that one. Ray Rugemer put a dead turkey in the back of Rich's truck, and it sat there for probably a couple months. So when Rich found it, ultimately, it was something that you didn't want to see. Um, so that, that's that's a good one. He's to clean his truck out more. He well, I mean, if you looked inside, there were McDonald wrappers everywhere, and you know, um, I love Rich, but you know the. He didn't eat the best. So it, it was always, he opened the truck door and just stuff would just fall out and, you know, chew cans and everything else. So, uh, but that was a good one. Gray Rugemer was pretty good at that stuff too. Gray, Gray had some really, really good ones, um, you know, that, that uh, he should be proud of. You, you guys have all, you know, went on, besides Kareem McKenzie, who I think is just, you know, lives alone in the woods or something. You know, deal is at, at Memphis. Richie's doing high school. You're doing Boston College. And then O'Hara has become a, a TV star. Like, how close are you with that group now? Because, you know, it, it really felt, whether it was Silent Library with Boss and, and Tollefson, like that, like, I know family probably gets a little overused in football, but that you guys generally were a family. We were. We spent every minute together. And I can't stress that enough. And that's something I kind of told the guys at BC that, you know, now they do it. I mean, we we we'd eat breakfast together. We'd bring it in, watch film. Lunch was, you know, we'd order out and, you know, bring food in and, 
Friday was, you're going to notice it was always revolved around food, but Friday was pizza. Breakfast. We ate our food in the meeting room and we always broke down film. We covered every situation possible so that when the game come, came through, you know, not every time you're going to be able to make a, a call. You know, there's always like, there's got to be stuff that you just adjust to on the fly. So the fact that you're able to do that, you know, I knew Kareem saw what I saw and Sean, you know, was a you know, highly intelligent football player. So he, I never questioned that he knew what he was doing. But the, to, to the comfort of knowing that in this full-speed game that these guys both know that we're seeing the same thing, um, you know, it made us I mean, pretty dominant at times. Uh, and I can say that now I would never would have said that when I was playing just because that was our mindset too. But, you know, going back and watching some of the games and just the, you know, our combination blocks and, and our, you know, play to the whistle mentality, um, I think, you know, there should be cut-ups made of that and and people should, like these new players should be watching it. Yeah, I mean, I remember in college, at, you know, a low-level, you know, uh, school in Minnesota and we started working on some counter stuff and we literally were breaking down your guys' film as the example to do it. And I think it really, you know, you hear coaches like, you know, uh, Goosh, right? Like he still references you guys. You guys get referenced a lot, whether in um, McNally, like a lot, you guys get talked about a lot and it's, I really do view it as like a, a special, a special offensive line group, and hey, and it led it led to some Super Bowls. When yeah. did you like feel confident in yourself? I mean, you became an All Pro, right? You know, three three time All Pro. When did you really start to get confidence and like, okay, I, I'm here and I, I'm one of the better guys in the league? Um, I don't. It took a while, believe it or not. I've always I've always lacked self confidence, so. Um... You know, I made a. I was, you know, it's like my second year was not like fourth honorable mention for the Pro Bowl, and then it got going, going, going. But probably like that Super Bowl year, I felt really good. I felt really strong. You know, that was kind of always something I hung my hat on was kind of being the strongest guy in the field. So, um, you know, that Super Bowl year, and then the following year, I made my first Pro Bowl. It was like one of those where you know Larry Allen finally decided to retire, so a spot opened up on the Pro Bowl team, and then I took it. You know, I was like very thankful for that because. Uh, he would have kept making those Pro Bowls, and I would have been an alternate for the rest of my life. But um, you know, it was, it was probably around that year, year three, year four, uh, where I really, really felt like I was coming in my own. And then for that a four year stretch, I, I do feel like I was one of the better ones in the game before my body started to fall apart. It's it's tough for offensive line with awards because you don't have stat. I know PFF does a, a pretty good job of tracking some of that stuff. But and, Andrew Thomas now, who you know got All Pro last year, he's one of we're close with him and I was campaigning for him to win awards, but it's tough when it's like, yeah, but Trent Williams is still in the NFL and played games this year. And it's just, it's just hard to, un it's hard it's to unseat a, guys like him and Larry Allen. It's amazing. He and, you know, Kelsey, it's amazing how at their age, how well they're performing. And I, you know, I look back and say, what, you know, what could I have done differently as far as my training? Should I have stopped doing the strongman stuff that got me to be so strong? But then again, maybe I wouldn't have been a, such a good player from year four to year eight. I, I don't know. But like the longevity and consistency is what everyone strives for. And the fact that those those two are great examples of that. And, um, you know, it's, it's truly, truly amazing that they're able to get their bodies ready for these battles every week. I've been asking every offensive lineman we talk to, whether it's current Giants, former Giants or guys in the draft, what is your favorite run concept to to run? Oh, I, I love gap, just just power, you know, and preferably one where Rich would pull. So, I, you know, just I felt like Kareem and I did a good job of you know double teaming a three technique and um, you know coming off the ball. So whether it's inside zone or you know gap power scheme, um, I definitely enjoyed those. Uh, young early on, I, I used to love being the lead puller. 
you know, but then as you get a little bit older, you're, you know, kind of dreading that collision that's coming around the corner. So um, definitely inside zone, you know, gap scheme. Is there a play that just kind of comes back to mind that you can look, man, we, we ran that exactly go exactly like it goes on the whiteboard or no? Uh, I mean, I think there, if, I mean, there's a lot of examples of like, I'm talking about like the 36 power we used to run where, um, you know, the double team was perfect. Sean at the, the back block, the tight end did job securing the DN. Then Richie would pull around tight for the Mike backer. Um, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of examples of that. And we ran that to death and then it kind of evolved to the three, the three wide, you know, the sub run game, which is, you know, still the gaps game, but without the, you know, without the lead blocker and the, uh, and the fullback. So, um, you know, I think, one example, probably not, because um, I like to feel that there were a bunch, you know, it was, and it, it's more so like the ones like the adjustments that you make that aren't on the whiteboard. You know what I'm saying? Like there was one right. in the Super Bowl where we had a play called and really Eli should have checked out of it, but he left it on. And, um, you know, it was upon us guys up front to kind of adjust the blocking scheme. And we did that and uh, it actually turned out to be like a 10 yard run. So and one where I got to get my hands on Rodney Harrison, which everyone loves. So, so um you know, that was uh, we came off and, and you know, flats coach Flaherty's like, why didn't you guys tell him to get out of it? And we just said we we fixed it. You know, we fixed it. We made it work. And so that's what you have to do sometimes in the battle. That's that's awesome. You know, watching some of the Giants offensive line struggles now where it's like, man, just a certain fronts just to give them it fits where, like you said, you guys made it work. I, I want to ask you about a silent library. Um, who had it the toughest and the easiest in that? I feel like there is a right and wrong answer for the toughest part of this. I mean, I, I'm smiling now because that was such a fun day. Like, um, like literally, like my insides hurt from laughing, you know, for the three hours that we were on set. Uh, and I still smile thinking about Sean O'Hara getting plastered by the tennis balls, which you didn't know were coming. Dude, they so nailed him. They fucking – he was getting fucking drilled like five times in a row. I don't understand. So I, was, I was worried about his, like, breaking his nose. I don't care if there's a mask or not. Yeah, listen, I, I think, yeah, there's concern about that for sure because those things were humming. Uh, and, then you know, the maple syrup plus we had this big dinner planned after, and the, the restaurant owner kind of took care of us, and he brought all his food. But we ate, drank so much maple syrup. I mean, that's basically like a laxative. So, like, we were, like – you know, sick the entire night. We barely ate the dinner that was brought out for us. It was almost like we were forced it down because we felt bad. So I would, um, and I had, I had it the easiest and I can admit now that I, I knew which was the safe card. So, or which was the, the card that made you do the prank. And I knew that early on, just using my BC degree, you know, uh, kind of outsmarted the guy. So I used that and, um, Makes Finally, sense now that Tolson had to do the, uh, the smoothie. Yeah. Now. Well, the, the D linemen don't pick up that stuff. So, um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, finally at the end, they were, they kind of forced me to, to pick the, the card. So that's when I did the Godzilla one, which honestly, if you know me, like nobody touches my feet. So that's kind of like my thing. So the fact that I just step on Legos, like it was torturous for me. So it was almost fitting that, you know, they saved that for me because I was trying to outsmart the system. Who, who from that group are you like the closest with now? Um, it's tough with Tollison and Boss because they moved away, you know. But I still, we still speak. I mean, Sean O'Hara, if you saw where I live, he's probably a couple of hundred yards down the street. So um, I see him all the time. We're, you know, we both coach our boys in football, so we're on the same football field together, and our kids go to school together. So I see Sean a lot. Um, and then Richie, Richie, I talk to a bunch. I talk to a bunch. Like you said, Kareem comes and goes. You know, he's got a lot going on with what he's doing, his job. So it's, um, 
Yeah, I talked to probably them the most, Sean and Rich. And then I actually talked to Deal yesterday just to kind of check in with the situation at Memphis. And, uh, you know, who's lost in this is kind of our sixth man. Kevin Booth is probably one of one of my closest friends. I talk to him all the time. Yeah. It, it's uh, – how does Deal like the – the new the new college gig because he was doing media with the Giants for a while and how, how does he like the the college life? D- Dave was always extremely detailed when he played, so um, which doesn't surprise me that he you know he did well with the with the commentary, but also like with with coaching because he's going to cover every detail, technique, film. You know he took a lot of pride in that. His notes, which you know kind of gets lost nowadays with these young players, is taking thorough notes. So um, I'm not surprised, and he's got full of energy, which you know. Uh, in college, you need it. And, you know, I wish I had his energy because, uh, you know, recruiting is nonstop. You've got to be available. Um, it's really, really a tough schedule for these college coaches. Um, what's, your, what's your relationship with Eli like these days? Or is he too much of a media star to talk to now? Yeah, I'm a little disgusted with the last, like, the you know, everything else I've been seeing with the rap video. And, you know, I put, uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, we see each other probably two or three times a year. You know, definitely always at a Giants game. Uh, we golf together this summer. Uh, I'm going to take my 13-year-old to his quarterback camp in June. Um, so there's, you know, always playful banter, text chains going around. But as far as, like, being together, you know, he's kind of in the thick of it. He's got the four kids, whereas I have two out of the house. And I'm we're kind of like, you know, old you know, old kids, young parents is what we are. So it's, um, you know, different phases of our life. But we, st- we still a couple times a year. It's kind of crazy to see how, you know, he went from, you know, quiet Eli to now this this media star. It it's is just, the year. It's- he's always been, though. He's We've always said he's a funny guy. And everyone would be like, really, Eli? Like, you know, he's, you know, he doesn't give that off when he was playing. But uh, he was – he used to have fun. You know, he was one of the pranksters, too. Yeah, you know, we had we were just down at the Senior Bowl and we got an Airbnb for our crew and our TV was in Japanese and I finally was like, you know what, this I don't like this Eli prank. This this sucks. Whoever was here before us really screwed us on this. Like it took me 15 minutes watching tutorials on how to get our TV out of Japanese. That was his famous one. Yeah, he'd find the phone, he'd change it, and then kind of giggle it like you're trying to figure out you have to you know grab a comparable phone and try to figure out how to, you know, settings. Yeah. That was that he took pride in that one. <laughs> yeah. Um now, but it is the year now, so we gotta get a headline grab. Is Eli Manning a Hall of Famer? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Absolutely. We just I just needed you to have we this is the year, so I'm going all out. We are on the Eli Eli Defense Brigade to get him into the Hall of Fame. So needed great needed that. Can we, can we get me past the first cut. I mean, I make the initial ballot and I can't make the next cut. I mean, I think it, it's a shame. It really is so tough for offense and especially interior guys like tackle guys maybe you have a little hard like if you had the same career at tackle you know it all boils down to you know the the longevity and the the pro bowls and things like that which i get which i was i was so happy that tony got in baselli because you know injuries kind of shortened that career so he but he was definitely a a pro bowl player and you know to me like the the number five it's how do you pick five every year you know it's it to me if you're worthy you're worthy unless you get in so um you know, because you know, life's precious. You never never know what's going to end. So you obviously want to, you know, get in when you're still on this earth. You know, and you want to kind of, you know, wear that jacket and, and and be a Hall of Famer. All right. So I think the Talking Giants family is going to have to take that upon us to get Chris Knee in the Hall of Fame, or at least get, like you said, get you past the first cut. Yeah. Um, well, come on. Give me give me give me a little excitement. So we I got we always got to ask everybody um, 
that was part of this play a part about it. Who up front did the who did the worst job on the helmet catch? There we go. I was the only one that did my job. Mackenzie did pretty damn good. I, I Kareem, Kareem did. Well. He came back. So it's like it's it's just comical at this point because O'Hara is the one that likes to call me out, you know. And like if you get beat that bad, you shouldn't be calling anyone out, you know. So in reality, I did my job. I got a plus plus in the great sheet. You know, I was responsible for Junior Seau. He slid and then dropped. And by the time I looked to help, all hell broke loose on the left side. So, you know, looking back, what did you want me to do if you're flipped this way and then you're seeing your quarterback in someone's grasp run right at him? Like, what am I supposed to do? You know, in reality, like, Deal Soybrin O'Hara just sucked on the play. And, you know, uh, Eli, you know, saved the day. And Tyree, of course. I, I told you before the show, eventually I want to get all, all five of you guys, you know, together on some type of show. And I think I'm just going to have each of one of you go one by one, breaking that down on the whiteboard of like, you know, what was the call? What happened? Please do. Save me for last, please. I will. I will. I'll start. I'll start Kareem first and be like, all right, you you give us the unbiased opinion and then yeah, yeah, we'll go from there. Yeah. Um, and any as we, you know, come off the Super Bowl and this will finish off of this and any Super Bowl memory, whether it's after the field that like really sticks with you, whether it's you know being with family. You know, we're like, because I mean, you guys are remembered. You guys are immortalized forever. Is there is there just, a moment just, that sticks just, out with you? I just got chills because the image is clear. So the first one's great, right? We no one expects us to win. We beat New England. Great. You know, but um, the second one, having my two older boys at the game and then identifying them through the confetti, you know, literally like my wife and the two boys were like the last ones on the field. And I have a great picture of it in my office. Um you know, I, I'm looking frantically for where they are, and then they kind of a, come streaming out of the tunnel, and um, you know, tears are flowing everywhere. And my, I bring my boys up on the podium, and you know, that second one I savored every moment. I was the last one to come off the field. I was the last one to leave the locker room. I shaved my disgusting red beard in the locker room. You know, it was just one of those where I, I kind of, it's hard to get there, right? And and to be there, to fortunate enough to win there, win twice, you know, um, and the second one just to enjoy it with my with uh, my family. Um, Whereas the first one, like they were young and I just really wanted to get back and celebrate. And um, it was one of those where I'll never forget, you know, the, the, the conversations we had. And um, like I said, just the, the moment of holding the trophy, holding my sons in my arms and, uh, you know, with, with all family around me. It was um, and that's because it really it is. It's not just about me and or this player, this player. It's about the team. And part of the team is the family. Because all, all that sacrifices go into it. You know, we've we've talked to a lot of guys from that team, whether it's Brandon Jacobs, and it, you know, it really stands out. Like, I, I really, I truly think family is the most overused word in football, right? Like, truly. But that team, man, it's like even some of the stuff that's happened throughout the years with the Giants. You're like, man, that shit just wouldn't have flown, right? Like, you know, we've talked with Tolson. It's like, man, if you didn't hustle to the play in practice, like you got your like reamed out. That doesn't happen as much anymore. You know, even stuff with a star like Odell, we talked with Brandon Jacobs uh, when he was kind of on his way out and had some stuff. And he's like, that's, we would have not let that shit happen. Like, that's that type of stuff wouldn't have happened. And yep. it's pretty cool to, you know, see how, you know, tight tight you guys were. Uh, but, Chris, appreciate you jumping on. Um, been wanting to do this one for a long time. So excited we were able to get it done. Yep. Um, good luck with Boston College. We'll be, uh, we'll be watching and rooting for you. And uh, maybe we'll talk soon. All right, sounds good. Appreciate the time. Hey, Sean, you better hope I never 
get back in there, I will kick your <laughs> Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. All right, thank you, Christine, for jumping on the podcast. Justin, We owe, we only time of year where we just talk about general football uh, because I, th- I don't think anyone's really – this is what's everyone's interested in talking about the Super Bowl. Uh, this was our first year, like, actually just fully covering the NFL. You, you know, on Jam Football, you know, so, you know, a little more skin in the game with this one. And, like, my big takeaway from this Super Bowl, really nothing about team building unless your team building was like, well, go get Patrick Mahomes. But what my thing is, I'm like, man, it just is so hard because we've essentially passed the baton from Brady to Mahomes that just stopped like great quarterbacks from winning Super Bowls, right? Like Josh Allen is one of the best playoff performing quarterbacks ever, right? It is so early in his career. Outside of that Bengals game last year, he's been great in the playoffs, yet it doesn't matter because he's had to run into Mahomes, uh, you know, a, a few times, right? Like one of the best playoff performances of all time was a loss because of the, you know, the 13 seconds in Kansas City where they changed overtime rules. And it's just... Like so many guys, like, you know, Justin Herbert, who I think is a top five quarterback in the NFL, right? I, I truly believe that. He's in the same division as this guy, and we don't even view it as a rivalry, despite the fact that they play close games because that's how much Mahomes is on a different level. Like the last six Super Bowls, five of them have went to either Brady or Mahomes, and they truly have passed the baton from one to the next. Yeah, after the Chiefs knocked down the Bills, he kind of got the feeling like, all right, you know, if if they if they turn around and they and they win it all again, no no one is shocked. No one is shocked at this point. And this was the Chiefs down here, Bobby. Like that, I I've been saying it, and I'm sure even you, know, you 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 and Chris Rose on football today have been saying it. Where that this was not supposed to be the year that the Chiefs won this. This was supposed to be the rest of the NFL's time to catch up because the Chiefs tackles. Not very good. Jawan Taylor, they paid a lot of money to, for Jawan Taylor to be their starting left tackle. He wound up going to right tackle, and he's been not very good this year. I mean, rem- remember back to week one where he just couldn't be still in a stance, and he's bouncing that right foot up in the air. Mahomes had a very expensive cap hit. His cap hit goes up really high for the first time in his career. Oh, yeah, and what position are they drafting in the first round this year of the NFL draft? Like, there, there's no doubt what position they're drafting. What position are they drafting? I would assume water. Like Xavier Worthy, welcome to the Kansas City Chiefs. They're drafting okay. a wide receiver, and they're going to get better. <laughs> yeah, this is the year where it's like, man, those I, I think there's legit wide receiver one talent that's going to be available at that point of the draft. But here's where I will say it's not like a total down year, is that defense was sick, right? Yeah. And honestly, the defense outperformed their offense through the playoffs, but having, like, the same time, my point has always been, like, why still – offense over defense and there's like i don't think there's any other quarterback in the nfl who wins the super bowl with this situation but there's i mean spags like he called up some game plans and his game plan for san fran was great like he he to me thoroughly outcoached kyle shanahan basically like all you're gonna do is you're gonna want to throw these in breakers we're gonna we're gonna blitz to one you know, to to pressure Purdy and force the ball out quick, and we're going to play inside leverage, and we're going to blitz to try and stop the run, which they did a a fair a, a solid job of doing, even though Shanahan got away from it a little bit. Um, but they never like had the explosive runs either, even though I thought the 49ers probably should have ran the ball a little more 
Uh, the defense, that's my, my argument. It was when they lost on Christmas, right, to the Raiders, and everyone's like, this team is stunk. And I remember doing football today with Chris Rose. I'm like, are the Chiefs not Super Bowl contenders? I'm like, no, because they have the best quarterback in the NFL. You have uh, Travis Kelsey, who's, you know, maybe the best tight end of all time. And then you have the number two defense in the NFL, led by Chris Jones, who is a game wrecker. And all of those things came to fruition for the Super Bowl run. Yeah, man. Um, talent up and down that defense, too. Where Chris jo- I thought Chris Jones, I really want to try and do a video on this. Definitely, there was a 49ers red zone trip where Chris Jones got a game, or, you know, a, a drive saving pressure where it resulted in three points instead of possibly six points. And then the second one, I think Chris Jones might have mentioned on ESPN that he was unblocked. I actually want to go yeah, back and see it. Yeah, he was. It was a horrible protection call by the 49ers. They totally Which, blew it. How are you How are you letting Chris Jones, <laughs> like a future Hall of Fame player, how are you letting him unblocked on like a third and goal situation where he can disrupt your quarterback like that? So And on the um, McDuffie blitz, they, they kept Kittle in to double Chris Jones, and McDuffie is free because of Kittle going to double Chris Jones instead of just, you know, picking it, scanning for the blitz. Yeah. I'm happy for Spags. Very happy yeah. for Spags. It'd be interesting to see if he ever gets like head coaching consideration again or if he's just going to be content being the Chiefs. Because, hey, be the defensive coordinator for Patrick Mahomes' team and you're going to go down as like, you know, the an all time great uh, coordinator. But has there ever but, been like a Hall of Fame coordinator? No. But if we're putting De- Devin Hester in, we, maybe we can consider that <laughs> uh, over Antonio Gates is nuts. Uh, Eli Manning Hall of Fame year, by the way. Get fight, fight the fight. Anyone tries to say no, you get toxic in their mentions. Um, by the way, uh, but Spags, I mean, Spags called a game yesterday. Like it, it was truly beautiful. Like I was saying, like what, what, and and with Shanahan, right? Like counter, dude, ca- like counter, throw a fade, right? Like look at where these corners are lining up. Throw out breaking routes. I know that that is not Brock Purdy's strength. I know. But it's there, and he's and then, like he can throw those. It was he there a couple be, times that they did it, but not enough. Yeah, yeah, and it's, and you know, throw like throw to you know fifteen plus yards towards the sideline. It was there, right? I know you know the pressure was there a lot, so it's hard to let some of those things happen. But let go, let Debo Samuel and Brandon I just go win on the sideline. Yeah, but instead um, it was Jawan Jennings and Conley. That were some of them were I think Conley like in the first half and that I think his name is Conley that that receiver yeah yeah was in the 80s. and then Jawan Jennings in the second half where if the 49ers win it Jawan Jennings has like a case for MVP which is crazy um, one know, of your I mean, guys by the way I remember in that oh I loved that, him was that the 2020 draft yeah it was the 2020 uh, draft and and in my you know in my one tweet where I kind of put out like a little bit of a highlight I mentioned that he's a really good blocker too lo and behold that is why he is in San Francisco with the 49ers. So, you know, those were the two guys that were, like, mainly winning for the 49ers offense, and it was not Ayuk. Debo had some nice plays, but, you know, for two players that you consider all pro, Kittle didn't do anything. Kittle didn't do anything. So, uh, hey, if you remember, Sp- remember Belichick on the sideline saying, make them throw it to Manningham, guarantee his Spags is on the sideline saying, make them throw it to Conley and Jawan Jennings, and that's exactly what the 49ers did, and they were not disciplined to stay with the run, which I agree with you, that they should have should have stayed disciplined with the run because while they're not getting the 10 plus yard runs, you're getting four, five, six, seven yards a pop. And 
I thought that Kyle Shanahan would be the coach to stay disciplined to it, but there's not a lot of coaches that will stay disciplined to it these days. They want coaches want to throw the ball. Yeah, that that was pretty. I mean, you look at it, and I know this isn't the most fair thing because when you throw on first down and it doesn't work, then it's like okay, well, running on second down, second and ten, or second and fifteen is not not smart simply because you want to talk about how we ran the ball, but. You know, they're they ran the ball 14 times on those last three, you know, scoring scoring drives or handed it off. You know, they maybe ran a little more. Uh, is there any like New York Giants team building Super Bowl takeaways from this? Because besides, oh, get Patrick Mahomes, man, we need a great quarterback, like, right, obviously. And guess what? Like, I want the Giants to get a quarterback and a great quarterback. I have no expectations of him being Patrick Mahomes. That's just that's just unrealistic expectations. Um, you know, you hope you get someone who can duel with Patrick Mahomes, like Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. Because um, my only one would not my only is man, don't overthink the draft. Like I really think the Chiefs have not overthought the draft and just drafted players who are good. George Karloftis, George Karloftis falling so far in the draft to me was nuts, right? Like. I, I don't I don't understand that. Made a huge Leo Chanel went for a third round comp pick. Justin, we were talking about this guy like top of the second round. Top of the second round. I thought he was worthy of a late first round, but like And by and, the way, at that point they had and look at the linebackers they already have too. They had they Nick still Bolton and Willie Gay. Yeah, and they already had just just take the best players, try and build, you know, just get full talent. I mean, the, their corners McDuffie. I mean, he he was, you know, the the star of the game. He was locking those cats up. Sneed is really good too. Yeah. So, well, uh, no, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm with you. I'm gonna bounce. I'm gonna bounce off that. It's not, really, it's not really just yeah, yeah. Like it is about the draft because how you improve your team the most in the NFL is by the draft, and it isn't with this game. Like I, I didn't. Maybe in years past when I didn't watch the NFL enough, I'd be like, yeah, I'll take a lesson out of this game. The lesson that I really took just from this NFL season watching how many good like there, there was a lot of good teams this year the Ravens were a really good team all the Ravens did this year was beat the shit out of teams that are above 500 like an NFL record like seven or eight games this year they beat teams that are above 500 by 14 points they lost that game to the Chiefs obviously in the championship game Lions years of just good drafting good drafting you know all, all pros at every level and where you look at the Giants man 49ers, all pros at all, all pros at every level. And even though like the Chiefs don't have all pros at every level, but they still have damn really if defensive side of the ball, they do have those really, really good players on all levels. All pros. McDuffie was an all pro. I thought Sneed should have been an all pro. Chris Jones is a really good player. And then obviously they have like four, three, four really good linebackers. So the point is the Giants are really far away from being one of those teams that they have really good players like close to all pro players at all phases and all levels they're not far from being a team that could sort of compete and move up in the world but they're far away from being like one of the top top teams in yeah. the nfl like they're not far away from being like the packers you know from being a young team that can maybe go on a little bit of a run and you could see promise there but they're far; they're definitely far away, and a lot of players on this roster are still proving what they got, like Kayvon Thibodeau, um, from being like the Lions, the 49ers, and definitely like the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, 
he's I mean, even though like like you said the Chiefs down here, it's like man they've okay, but they have Patrick Mahomes, Travis right. Kelsey, Chris Jones. But that's not um, going to be every team. Like every team is not going to have Patrick Mahomes. So I think you like. I think the comparison is you look to so teams saying, they like have the Lions. three of like the best at their position in the NFL. Too, right. Right. Even in a in a quote unquote down year. Like Chris Jones is the second best defensive tackle to Aaron Donald in the NFL. Like I think he's better than Dex and Quinnen right now. Uh Travis Kelsey may not be the I mean, he I think he was second in tight end receiving this year, only to Laporta, right? And, and he's he, led and he it had every a down single year. <laughs> and he's led it every single year, right? And even though like he may not have the same athleticism he's still one of the smartest tight ends in the yeah. like of all time to where him and Mahomes and then obviously Mahomes is is the best quarterback in the NFL um and I think I I think he's by by a pretty solid margin um so hey but you know what we should just share the Ben McAdoo wanted to trade up from 22 for Pat uh Pat Pat I almost said Pat McAfee Pat Mahomes um and and talk about how Ben McAdoo that shit still drives me nuts. Like, I understand he wanted him and stuff like that, but he wanted the trade up from 20. Like, the idea that we just passed up on him is a little crazy to me. Obviously, they could have traded up for him. And the also thing is like, yeah, well, if we did that, I would thank Ben McAdoo for that decision and want him fired because he has proven to be a horrible offensive coach in the NFL. Like, what, what, watch. I remember watching that Panthers offense last year and not just, oh, they're not talented. Like, what the fuck are they doing? Like this is there there's there's no rhyme or reason to any of this. But uh yeah, the guy who was asked a question in a press conference then just stared into the camera blank for thirty seconds. The guy's guy's a fucking genius. Um I mean any, anything else? Did you see that I I tweeted out from Talking Giants? Do you think the Giants will take a quarterback in the draft as the game started? And I was like, Yeah. I, very I, good. I, I got a good I got a good chuckle out of that where it's like, you know, we People do it every day, all day. I don't know how they do it. Yeah. All right, Super Bowl's kicking off. Let's we're gonna we're gonna finally open up uh, this debate. Uh, and anything funny? The Tommy DeVito. Do you yes. think the NFL has not realized that Giants fans are not like infatuated with Tommy DeVito like they once were? Oh, I think there's a lot of people that still are infatuated with him, just as a figure, not as a quarterback, but as a figure. I, I'm still like. I'm so excited to see what he's like and what's happening with his life in 2028. I'm still infatuated with him as a figure. I'm not really, you know. Yeah, I am. In, I'm. I'm in fact. I'm really interested to see what happens with his career because really, there will be an NFL team. There, there has been NFL teams to offer him way more money to play for them and not for the Giants. But he's wanted to stay home and he's wanted to stay here. And hey, it worked. There will be an NFL team that will. will is his contract up? No. Devito? No, he's under no. he's under control. Okay, so he's he's under control. So there's not there will be NFL teams that will want him to that want them that wants him more than the Giants. And he may not be here because they may they're going to add another quarterback. Yeah, whether that be carry via three quarterbacks, basically. And are and are they gonna carry three quarterbacks? Probably not. Yeah. Um I mean they did believe in him to start him over Tyrod Taylor yeah. in a game, whether that was peer pressure or not i don't know the main thing um, about the pizza commercial is that he was with Ginny in georgia the i don't who know who is ever... that i didn't someone asked me like you got to help an old man out like i don't i don't know who this this is either really good show on netflix i don't know the actress's name i mean she's a very very good looking woman um but that's like that was like a big deal for me i, I love Ginny in georgia like that's a very good show on netflix i have to wait till 2025 for season three and uh that's who he was with i didn't recognize her at first i'm like oh my god i love that show and i love you 
Very look, very good looking woman. Um, I hope they are like a big. It was a big time commercial too. By the way, it wasn't some, it, and it wasn't like he was like some side figure. Like if he was like a side figure in one of these commercials that has like all of these people, like no, like Tiki Barber and you know Michael Keegan Key, like they were side figures in the Tommy DeVito commercial, <laughs> which is crazy. Um, and obviously love the OC uh, Saquon commercial. I mean, we're yes. big fans of the NFL Pathway uh, program. Uh, here at Talking Giants. Quick, Sandro Plasticummer and who else from the Giants was through the Pathway program? Uh, Big George was a draft pick. That's not it. No, it's Roy Embatica. Ah, yes. I found highlights of him playing basketball on YouTube. A lot of of Giants fans wanted to see what they got in the kid. It was funny, like, like we get one player from Africa, and I go like to view his likes. His last like was a John Boy Media tweet. I was like, "There's, there's just, there's just no way that this world works like this." Um. All right, Justin, that's an episode. What do we have coming uh, up on Thursday or Friday? I don't know. Maybe, maybe a February mailbag. Um, you know, we'll we'll figure it out. I want to save bigger interviews for the Tuesday pod. So I think eventually we got to have um. You know Ryan Dunleavy on to talk about his Tony Award, and and you know how, and and maybe get some final closure on on some of all this Wayne Kafka stuff, just because we at least know he's not going to make shit up on that. He'll if he doesn't know something, he'll just simply say I don't know. All right, Justin, that's an episode. We'll see you guys on Friday. Appreciate you very much. Um, it's the Giants' year. It's the Giants' year. We'll see you then. Until then, let's go big.